Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Peter, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. All right, welcome back. Uh, it is the first day of school, so we're just going to start off with mm-hmm. uh, attendance today. So, um, Sadi? Present. Uh, Steph? Here. Uh, Beaner? Yeah, baby. Darty Broder? Deceased? Not here. <laughs> From the grave. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm here. It, on, so. I'm here early for the first day of school. Like, what is this? <laughs> Early at almost 10 o'clock on the first day of school. I love it. So welcome back to Leafs Late Night. And as you just heard... And Southey. What? We and Southey. Did you take Southey? Yeah, attend- I started with him. Number one. Oh, sorry, guys. I'm just like... <laughs> it's, it's this new intro song that's kind of like <laughs> throwing me off a little. I get so into it. I'm headbanging. I co- totally miss the oh. next couple minutes of talking. and then I'm That's like, right. It's new to you because oh, yeah. you haven't been here in a long time. Oh, I haven't. I'm so sorry. For shame. Oh, I'm bad. <laughs> what I was, what I was trying to say is, with that, you can hear that we are all here, and with that, we just lose Steph. But I'm sure she'll be back in. Uh, we are all here, and we are officially back. Uh, it's kind of been spotty episodes here and there. I apologize. We tried to keep up with the summer, but you know, life and things got in the way. And uh, we're back now because the season is about to start. We've got to touch on what happened over the summer because I know not everybody was keeping up on things and uh, on vacation and all that. So we're going to recap quickly all the ins and outs of the Leafs and all that and touch on some more stuff. So welcome back to Leafs Late Night. I'm yo host, Roscoe. So, hey, hey. first of all, we got to start with uh, congratulating Mike the Fanatic who uh, is jumping in and did his first article for Inside the Rank. So thank you so much, Mike, for that. If you have not checked it out, head over to InsideTheRank.com, who uh, they, they sponsor us. Um, and uh, you can check out Turning Over a New Leaf, which is written by Mike here. And uh, it kind of breaks down all the new people on the team, Abe Kubel, Yarn Crow, Gaudet, and uh, Steph's favorites, Samsonov and Murray. And uh, just kind of what what these moves look like, where these guys could slot in. And uh, we're going to do the same just to tie into the podcast. So with that, let's start. Yeah. One one thing before we start, I just got to say, uh, Mike, your your article was so great. I posted it to all of my random Facebook groups that are related to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And boy, they have been arguing and <laughs> arguing on comments of these posts. Oh, my God. It's just like, Tell me you haven't read the article without telling me you haven't read the article. <laughs> because you know how it starts off with like, Leafs are this, Leafs are bad, blah, blah, blah. Like all the things that we hate to hear about the Leafs. It's like half of these people only read that section and they just came back and they're just like, I have a job. I'm not reading this shit. Next time you're going to be telling me that Carrie Price is good. Oh my God. <laughs> so good job, Mike. Very good. Clickbait so worthy. To everyone who uh, who read past the first couple lines there, it is a great breakdown of all these players, uh, in-depth stats of all of them. Please go check it out. It's almost 3,000 words. Man. Yeah. Impressive. Okay. So 
Um, I guess the outs, we'll start with that because uh, Mike didn't touch on those. So we'll fill that in. We've got um, Spezza retiring and moving into the front office. We don't know where he'll land really yet. That's kind of up in the air by the end of the year, what he decides to do. Um, who else did we lose? Mikhaev. In retirement, we had Ian Scott, oh, if we want to yeah. stick to one category. And we also had Carter Hutton. What happened to him, guys? He was supposed to be you our... scared. 100% <laughs> cold feet. <laughs> like, he was supposed to be, like, the 1Z of it all. Like, not the 1A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It was, like, the 1Z, and he then he's like, fuck heart. this. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he saw the writing on the wall. He was just going to get passed around through uh, AHL teams for the rest of his career, and I don't think he was down for that. Yeah. Don't blame so, him. <laughs> so who else? We lost um, Mikheyev. Who got a big payday? Yeah, yeah. Where do you go, Carolina? No, no, the Canucks. Canucks, right? Yeah. I, man, I, I got a recap for myself where everybody went, but I mean, um, little fan 5. favorite Jack Campbell. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jack Johnny, went to Edmonton. You have you have a good excuse because uh, at the end of the day, the only person we care about in Vancouver is uh, Marty Zilstra. All right. Everybody else <laughs> can take a, fu- a, fu- a hike. I was going to swear. I don't want to swear right now. I want to save our swears for, for later in the season. <laughs> Speaking of Vancouver, uh, JT Miller resigning. Anybody else surprised by that? I was. Very surprised. You know, I just heard rumors of him wanting out of Vancouver. And I don't know. It's been a couple of years of that. And then the big payday came. And he, I guess he just said F it and took the money. So... I was a little disappointed because I thought he could have been a huge return in a package deal for the Leafs. But hey, we knew that wasn't happening. Yeah, I think because of all the players that were getting into that one year territory, like towards the end of the summer, he just said, you know what, if Vancouver is going to give me the term, I'm just going to stay here. And I think I I don't know any more than anybody else, but I think uh, that seems to be what happened at least. Um, Back to the Leafs, though, we have... um, who besides Mikheyev? I'm forgetting a forward that we lost. We lost Andre Kasha right, to Kasha. the Carolina Hurricanes. That's the one I was thinking of. After he did not want to come back to the Leafs, so we can gladly say goodbye to Cash Money. Um, you I know was what? surprised, honestly. Yeah, right? And we gave him his chance. Like Every time he was healthy, he was slotted back right up in the lineup. Even when uh, Mitch Marner was out there for a bit before Christmas, he was playing on that top power play unit. He was on the top line for a bit. And that's when we were all saying, oh my God, put cash money on the PP1, baby. But then uh, got injured again. And I don't know. Things just didn't work out by the end of it. That's what I don't understand is you you bring up the point that whenever he was healthy, it wasn't like he had to fight his way back into the lineup. He was given top minutes. So I don't I don't know what other team is going to give somebody who's that injury prone top minutes every time they come back. Like the Leafs trusted that he was going to perform like he's going to have to earn that trust again from another team or maybe Carolina sees that in him already. But man, like it's not an easy player to take a chance on. Yeah, I'll miss saying cash money after every game, but hey, oh, me too. We move on. But another guy that left as well was Ilya Labushkin to oh, right. Buffalo, the Bush, the oh. Russian bear. Yeah, and I that mean, that was a little sad. Given the Leafs' current 
defense uh, overload. It's weird to be in this situation because they've been scrounging the bottom of the barrel and we've had Marley's filling in spots, but now it's like they got too many guys and even Sandine's on the outside, which we'll touch on later. Boo. Uh, but yeah. I think <laughs> Labushkin, though he wasn't ever supposed to be a first line defender, like he found a chemistry with Riley and filled in that defensive role that Riley obviously lacks. Like we're not insane in being Leaf fans that we're going to say that Riley's an amazing defensive defenseman. But I mean, Labushkin threw huge hits. He was fun to yeah. watch. I'll miss him, but I don't think he's worth, what was it? 2.1 or something that um, Buffalo gave him. 2.75 times oh, two. Yeah, so see, that's too much. Yeah, in his career in four years, he's just earned a little over $4 million, So he'll make more than that within two years with Buffalo. So, hey, go chase the money, buddy. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, look, he'll have fun in Buffalo. He's going to be playing top minutes there, too. I mean, they don't have a, an awesome defensive core there right now, but, like, they got a lot of fun forwards. So all the best to the Russian bear. Well, they have two top defensive, really highly touted, um, you know, overall top picks. So an Owen Power and um, the other Swedish guy, Darlene. Oh, yeah. So. The other Swedish guy. I love that. We'll see if they can uh, <laughs> We'll see if they can actually defend this year, though. Yeah. My internet kind of... Did we say anything about Sandine or nah? We're just no, we'll touch, on, we'll touch on Sandine. Um, is there anybody else that left the team? I don't think so. Yeah. Yes. Yep. We oh have two players going to the Chicago Blackhawks in Colin Blackwell and Peter Mrazek. Oh, yeah. I'm the worst. Right. You know... Steph, you want I... to host? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey now. No, that's why I got you. Shaking off the rust, that's all. Mazarek. Yeah, Peter Mazarek. But hey, Blackwell, Blackwell, the highest he's ever been paid in the NHL on average was 725K. So they signed him two two times 1.2 mil. So another guy chasing somewhat more of money. A guy who obviously doesn't mind losing because obviously everybody knows Chicago looks like they're going to tank this year. So... Mm-hmm. It's a good chance I for mean, them to prove themselves. They need bodies. Yeah, yeah. Look, that that's always the case with these teams. Is is guys that don't necessarily I don't want to say don't deserve the money, but wouldn't get it elsewhere are going to get it from them just to be able to fill slots that hey they're not going to get elsewhere. So fuck it, go for it. Hell yeah, you lose to Brinkett, you know, in the off season. Blackwell has plenty of opportunity to shine during training camp on that first and second line. I know he wasn't brought over for that role, but hey, he's a speedy guy. He he's not afraid to shoot the puck, so why not? They have literally nothing to lose at this yeah. point. And he would like never sniff yeah, that especially role, especially with the least. talk of. Yeah. You know what? We should talk about this while it's here. Now that we've talked about Chicago and we're done with people that are gone, uh, Patrick Kane. I know this rumor has kind of floated around a couple teams, but uh, it's crossed Leafs nation. So what is uh, what's the opinion on Patrick Kane from you guys? That's a tough one. You know, like who would ever think of one team having you know Matthews, Marner, JT, Patrick Kane, like all of these superstars on like it just doesn't seem fair on paper. But I don't think the Leafs would play that much of a 9D chess game to actually acquire him. Like I don't think he would be a person to go after trade deadline. I really think the Leafs would have to 
analyze where they're at in January, see where the holes are, and then work from there. And I really don't think it's going to be offense. Like, if anything, in my opinion, it'll be goaltending or (laughs) (laughs) defense, but we'll see. Um, Patrick Kane, though, you know, being slotted on that second line, of course, that's it's nice to see on paper, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. Well, here's a here's a quick question for you. Do you you think it's reasonable to like think that like this guy is Patrick Kane, not Evander, his other famous uh, brother. Um, you would think that unfortunately <laughs> we can't really get Evander. Either. He wants to stay. He you know he wants to stay over in uh, Edmonton. But uh, we're talking about Patrick Patrick Kane, all right, and we're talking about the arguably the greatest American player of all time. Like I've heard it mentioned many times. Yeah. Now. So mm-hmm. and, and if, put some at the respect least, on Phil Kessel's name. At the very least. <laughs> At the very least, he's one of the, the you know he he's up there for the best of this generation, right? Uh, and yeah. still currently playing. Would he not want it? You know, he sees the next one pretty much in Austin Poppy Matthews. Do you think it's not unreasonable for him to maybe say he's coming to what is you know looking like the twilight of his career? Maybe he he wants to play with the next one. Maybe he'll take a he'll take a pay cut to play with potentially the next greatest american hockey player if not you know people are saying austin matthews could be the great could be the goat like there's i know it's leafs nation but i'm hearing it from people not just wearing the white and blue you know Mm -hmm. i feel like that's the only way he would come to toronto is if he told management that he wants to be traded and toronto's at the top of his list because as steph said earlier like they're not going to do gymnastics just to bring in his salary because they have too many other holes to fill and down the road they're going to want to prioritize like she said d and goaltending, but I mean, if it could happen, go for it. And I don't think Patrick Kane is at his twilight of his career. He's still like recording the most points on the team consistently for the last how many years? Like, like I think, yeah, I think this scenario would only pop up if this were a you know Joe Thornton situation or Patrick Marlowe without the huge price tag like I think maybe when he's approaching 40 and he can barely you know crack 50 to 60 points then he would deter like you know balance the options and say hey Matthew signed this long deal eight years whatever and I'm gonna get the end of it then maybe but I think in this time this point in time no i mean last year last season 92 points in 78 games prior to that 66 and 56 like it's always way higher than games played so i (laughs) the the blackhawks aren't letting him go come on he's gonna be a deadline move if anything he makes ten and a half million dollars and they're gonna wait to see what team is in a desperate enough situation at the deadline to pay for him because right now I don't think anybody is in a situation cap-wise to take that contract on, and nobody wants to give up what they have. They're going to see how it plays out through the first half of the season, and I think the talks around him are going to ramp up around then because he's going to stick it out for a bit because he's not going to wave it to go anywhere, and then yeah. uh, Chicago will wait to see what offers come in. So. Isn't it rich, salary that like? Oh, go for it, Sully. Go for it. I was going to say the salary dictates that that's like a free agency move or a trade deadline type of move. Yeah, because it's going to have to be retained and it's somebody just playing out like this, the end of it. Because, yeah. I mean, by deadline day, it'll be around $5 million. If you can make that work, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Sorry, Dirty. 
That's okay. I was just gonna say, isn't it so rich that like I, I I mentioned that Patrick Kane is in the twilight of his career, and everybody's like, "Oh no, he's not. He's still got a lot. He's still got lots of gas in the tank." <laughs> and yet we sit here and say that Matt Murray, who at the uh, ripe old age of twenty eight, is already over the hill and far so far gone. Like, oh, Leafs Nation, are we not the largest hypocrites? <laughs> I'm T Murray. Uh, so am I. You were just directing that at uh, a certain Steph the Fanlister. Guys, I'm not this like villain who hates our toronto goalies like it's not like i'm the only person on this earth that thinks that you know we don't have the biggest i don't know my confidence isn't there with our goaltending walking into this year and hey the stats speak for themselves but i'm trying to stay optimistic don't get me wrong i totally understand like if you give this person a chance why not give this person a chance i totally get that and if you want to look it over like you know um, Mike Smith, Antti Ranta, Robin Leonard, Jonathan Quick. These are all guys who've missed over 100 games in the same amount of span that, you know, Murray missed. But it's just we always give these other goalies a chance. And there's always a great success story behind it. I don't know. Great I'm just success. thinking <laughs> win now mode is not project taking mode, but we're banking on a lot. Everyone knows I'm a gambler, so I'm all in. <laughs> with these goalies but my hot take will be that samsonov will steal 1a from matt murray wow interesting interesting i think it's going to be pretty tight between them um it's going to be definitely closer than you know the last couple of years we've seen like mrazic barely got to play so never gave <laughs> yeah. that chance his bones and like i said good old line and like i said on a previous episode Mrazek played the same amount of games that Matt Murray played last season, and we were all pissed about that, right? Like 20 games, and he only had five wins, yada, yada. Okay, said and done. This year, we hope our our staff is amazing. They could heal him, give him that special juice, whatever the hell he needs, okay? <laughs> he just needs to play. I don't care how he does it. He just needs to play. And I emphasize my word steal in my hot take because I do think Matt Murray will start and that he will have some success. But I do also think that he may be injured along the way and Samsonov may steal that point and keep it even when Matt Murray is back. I have a theory. Um, way too much of that Ottawa Senators team was all injured at the same time. I think they all had COVID and it was going on too long to... Um, set off alarm bells so they were saying that it was other things because literally there was like 16 players that were all part of their starting lineup that were all out at the same time like mm -hmm. come on tell me they all broke things that like took months to repair come on so I think I'm not I'm just speculating here but like whether it was their medical staff sucks sorry Ottawa or there's something wrong with the water here and I should, you know, maybe check my Brita filter. But like way too many players on that team were injured last year. So I just I can't take that at the same level as it as if it was like anywhere else, just because Ottawa was such a shit show last year. Yeah. Definitely. It's, Steph. It was unfortunate for the players there, not gonna lie. Like uh the the Leafs had success against the Sens last year, which which says a lot. Usually yeah. we're cursed against the sense, right? <laughs> <This is true. laughs> but, uh, uh, oh, finish off. I just have one, one guy they thing. got fr from us, Rubens. Um, 
they acquired in the offseason, the Ottawa Senators. So I hope to see him play on their regular roster. Uh, I know Beaner really liked him as well, and we saw some flashes of what could be successful. Um, but yeah, I don't know, oh. guys. I'm not a villain, okay? Like, I really hope He's the guys the work out. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I know. It just... Oh, it just Ah, uh, I don't know. Did you just wear a fake goatee, like <laughs> yeah. <Your staff>. Oh. <laughs> oh man, but Samsonov uh, though, prove yeah. it to us. The one year prove me deal. Love it all day long. Of course, we have to. We have to roll with it. So moving on. Speaking of goalies and deals, since our last episode, Jake Ottinger finally signed with Dallas. Three years, twelve million, four million a year. Uh, nice deal for a guy who pretty much stepped in for who was supposed to be one of the best goalies in the league and uh, stole the show and was amazing in the playoffs, and now he's getting four million a year for it. So hopefully he can keep it up. Otherwise, that's yeah. going to look like a steal of a deal for Dallas in the next couple of years. I think oh, hell yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not somebody going to be able to uh, pick up off the waiver wire halfway through fantasy again. No. Yeah, he will be a hot commodity in the fantasy world, and um, as he should be, because that Dallas Dallas Stars team has gotten a little bit better as well. We saw Mason Marchment going there in the offseason. I think he's going to be a force on that team, on that second line especially. Yeah, um, we can touch on... We'll go back to fantasy in a sec, but I do want to finish off with the Leafs here on um, Rasmus Sandin, because we haven't touched on that yet. Um do we think this is going to play out to like December like we saw with Mitch and Willie or is this going to be something that they try to clean up before the first game? Who wants I think to go? that's going to depend on Sandine's camp because Dubas has showed us that he's willing to take it as far as it needs to go. So I don't think he's in a rush to really get that done. And if Sandine's camp wants to do it, then I'm pretty sure the ball is in their court. Do any of you foresee an offer sheet? Because I think, like, if I'm doing this podcast about any other team, I'm saying this is a big red flag as a player to offer sheet because, like, you don't have to give up that much to get him, and the Leafs probably wouldn't be able to match. Like, you could just pick a number that you know the Leafs can't pay and do, like, what uh, they did with Jesperi Kock and Yemi in Carolina and just knock it down the next year. Calm down, Dragger. Um, <laughs> look, look, he's. I don't know if I, it's I just Toronto that hypes him up, but Sandine's been a pretty big name as far as uh defensive prospects go. I don't know if that's just because we live here where we do and talk about the team we do, but look, I think if any other GM is looking at this, they can say, I can just play Dubas here if he doesn't get this done. Not enough to offer sheet him, I don't think, because you, the contract you're going to give him on an offer sheet isn't going to be big enough that Dubas can't sign it. Because he think... can always bury... No, nah, he can always bury a couple contracts down in the minors if he had to. Yeah, I don't think Sandine even has the leverage to hold out like he's doing, honestly. Mm. There's other options out there that teams would offer before Sandine, in my opinion. Uh, for example, there's Nicholas Haig, there's Sean Jersey, there's like <laughs> a couple other names that's just I'm having a brain fart right now. But no, for example, uh, Brandstrom, for example, just signed for 900K the other day, and he has 
greater stats than Sandine, and he kills penalties. So that's a big thing with Sandine, in my opinion. This guy does not kill penalties. So teams will look at that and think, okay, why don't you kill penalties? I mean, you're not a first-pair defender. Um, His time on ice is averaging below 17 minutes. Um, All of the deeper stats, I mean, the other guys are showing better. So what is the leverage that Sandine has to hold out this long? I think his biggest obstacle is that he is essentially, the way he plays is Riley 2.0, and they can't there's no space for that on the second or third pair and he's not going to steal that spot from Riley as we've seen he just signed a huge extension so wait what do you do with Riley or with uh, Sandine like isn't it do we then talk about moving him like I don't know if the value is there like I think the value within the organization is higher than what anyone's going to pay for it like you said there's these other guys out there the Leafs don't really have the leverage to get much for him other than I don't know like a second pick maybe but like I know how we can make space to get him in there. <laughs> Who's that? There's a certain there's a certain jersey number that needs to go away for a couple years. That, Are you uh, talking uh, the Muzzin Island number three? No, no, no. Because Muzzin played great in the playoffs. If he's healthy, he's good. I know that's three? a big if, big if. but uh, yeah, yeah, number three. The last two players to wear it have been kind of. Uh, Questionable. Questionable. Yeah. Yeah. Kids in the hall. <laughs> so Justin Hall, um, still Leafs management and coaching staff favorite for some reason, uh, still sticking around. That's a good point. So at two million, there's an easy one. Uh, yep. Just as we've always touched on all year, all last year, he's not going anywhere. No. <laughs> if anything, his contract's gonna run run out, and he's gonna get three and a half. He's gonna. <laughs> he is. Kyle Dubas's Nikita Zaitsev. You shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> every, every time you see Justin Hall in the starting lineup, an angel gets his wings, right? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Justin Hall has been around for a long time, whether he's been creeping from the press box or on the ice. I mean, I don't know why he's becoming the Marinson of the Leafs, but the management clearly has trust in him. And I think they saw good things from the the Brody and Hall pairing. And I really think that they're wanting to keep that together Mm -hmm. because when you look at the stats, this is crazy um, that I found this, but amongst 86 pairs to play over 305 minutes together, Brody, I know (laughs) Brody and Justin Hall, they're fourth overall in goals expected for their 13th in expected goals against per 60 minutes. And um, they're fourth in high danger scoring chances for the team and 15th in scoring chances in general, chances in general. So I don't know, like they, maybe the management team is really taking a deep it's, dive here. And no, this is, this is the eye test versus statistics. You can say, yeah, they're, they're 14th or 13th in, in goals against, but that what separates them from being 14th to like 10th is the stupidest fucking displays of hockey I've ever seen in my life. Like, I think that's the, the difference. Is that when they're 14th, it's like they shouldn't be 14th. They should be higher than that. And it shouldn't be that pair that is up there for the Leafs. Like, they should have a different <laughs> pair of people that is like third. That's my point. I think what's like great, but it's, you know, what we've seen them play. Um, sorry, I, I just I had a very good thought here because this is this 
bring some trauma back to Leafs fans is I think what separates uh, Jake Gardner from Justin Hall is that um, they both make identical mistakes, but Justin Hall does it so confidently that that, <laughs> <laughs> that and like, Jake do, Gardner needs to be able to put like, up a ton of points. <laughs> Yeah, man, like, I mean, Steph, you compared him to Marincin, and it's, it's far past that. That's why I said Zaitsev. It's to the point where it's like, this is somebody that we're putting in the lineup every night and we're paying significant yeah. money to who is just not contributing, at least as far as fans can see. I don't know. We're not NHL coaches and general managers. Maybe there's something we're missing, but I don't know. You're all not wrong. I mean, the eye test, of course, we watch him play and you're kind of like, ah, fuck. Like as you're God watching the game, you're just, right? <laughs> you son but of a these, bitch. the crazy thing about these stats is that his four most common um, line mates uh, in order of time on ice were Camp, Ingval, Kerfoot, and JT. So he didn't even get they didn't get that push of the top line, you know, benefiting mm. those stats for the pair. But because he can't keep up with them. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a th- in order the, no it's not to as much to slam him as much as it is to be like like these players are borderline magic like what they're doing is like breaking leaf all-time records you can't just be anybody to fill in those slots like you have to be able to keep up with that level of play that is just mm-hmm. you know most of the league can't do so it's not a slam at justin hall it's just obviously he's not going to be in those positions that's what riley's for yeah yeah which brings us well, to Sandine. Is there a spot for him on this team or not? Is basically the question. Yes. Right now he's on the roster for Cat Friendly and the other new guys are on the non-roster. So I don't know, man. Like it's it's really hard. There's a lot of players to play with right now, and I'm expecting one more move from Dubis, but you know. Just from his track record, it's rare to see a big package deal go the other way because in my, you know, in a perfect world, I would love to see because we all talk about Kerfoot too. We might as well ship out Kerfoot. Kerfoot, Sandine, in return for an elite, elite player like just JT Miller, for example. If you were giving me JT Miller for Sandine and Kerfoot, I would take that all day long. That's just. Me. I just now that all these contracts have been signed this off season, so many numbers have been inflated because there was this this lull of hard cap, and it's gone up a little bit. And people see the end of the tunnel; they know it's going to go up. Um, this off season was crazy for people getting paid. It made Kerfoot's deal look a lot better if he's able to produce at the same level he did this past season. Uh, especially if it's building on the chemistry that's there. I don't like breaking these guys up if they're, you know, if there wasn't an issue there. It's just a matter of like him stepping up. Like I, I'm, I'm not seeing as much that he can't do things as he's just building on it. Still, I think he'll get there. And and same with um, like Willie really took a step forward this year. Mm-hmm. And I think Tavares is finding what his role is now as he gets older. So hopefully he kind of settles into something. We saw that he's feeling healthy. So. I don't know. I don't think you touch those top two lines right now. Yeah, what's with the Kerfoot hate, by the way? Like, I get Hall. I have no issue with the Hall hate. I totally understand it. But the Kerfoot hate is completely, like, out of line. Like, the it's guy literally... dollar value associated. But the it. guy gets yeah. dinked around all fucking season. Like, he's, like, plug-and-play plug, plug and play Kerfoot, right? And yet, like, somehow he's the bad guy. 
Like he, ex- he, he does ex- like he's, he does exactly what we need him to do whenever we, you know, I said, dick this guy around and he doesn't, and he does it, you know, so politely. He's not like, he could be bitching about it. Like Sandy. And how he does. <laughs> yeah. It's well, just his contract. Like he's the most versatile player in the lineup. Probably he can play on the first line. He can play on the fourth line. He plays on the PP. He's a great penalty killer, but it's just yeah. his dollars. And he yeah, dicked and around and got 51 points well, while doing it. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not even that the dollar's bad. It's just that he's the next one down after Nylander, which is a significant jump from seven to three and a half. So it's it's just the fact that if you don't want to trade Matthews, JT, Marner, or Nylander, the next one up is Kerfoot. So if you're, I don't know, if you're a fringe fan of the team and it's not a name that you really care about, you're going to say move him for whatever the, the hot commodity at the trade deadline is. Like I kind of, I get, why it happens but like if you look at his numbers through the season for the amount that they're paying him it's unbelievable he's like a swiss yeah. army knife too right this guy yeah. like how many people how, how many like i'm sure there's tons of guys in the league now i say it but like how many guys in the league are are, are that like you know positively enabled when they're moved around as often as a guy like kerfoot is right like this guy just say mm-hmm. he, he eats his shit shit sandwich and he does so with a smile like <laughs> Yeah, and that's why we would only like to see him go in a big package deal like JT Miller because Kerfu would be going back to his hometown and we'd kind of be doing each other a favor there, you know, and yeah. getting something elite in return that could play on the second line with JT and Willie. Imagine that. Like, that would have been amazing. But hey, it's all in the past because he's has signed. So, yeah. So I guess now the uh, the way we end this off with the Leafs is uh, where do we slot in the new guys? So we'll start off. We'll do the order that Mike has them here. So we'll start with Nick Abe Kubel. Where do you see him playing? Steph, you want to start it? Mm, yeah, I definitely see him, you know, one year, $1 million deal. This guy, the thing I like about him is that he plays, you know, bigger than what he is. He's only 5'11", one. 87 or something like that but this guy hits like crazy he's an awesome four checker he's super speedy so i expect that kind of um aggression to like to replace what andre kasha brought to the team i was just gonna say it's it's like a kasha 2.0 yeah yeah so uh, it's so hard because we have so many random other names on the team like Joey Anderson still and like Kyle Clifford, for example, you know, and, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and Simmons, right? Like, and we Robertson. have and like all these fucking random names. So that's why I was waiting for one more trade. But hey, Nick, I can see him definitely. Hmm. Maybe third line, fourth line, obviously bottom six, right? It's just a matter of piecing the guys together. Um, start on the fourth, work your way up. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a rotation between uh, uh, Abe Kubel and Gaudet, kind of finding out who does what. Uh, I think there'll be penalty killers because we lost a lot of those. I mean, between Mikheyev and Kasha, and, uh, that that hurts, honestly. And Labushkin, too. Like, there's a lot of penalty kill power that's that's gone from the Leafs, and that was something that shined last year. So mm-hmm. hopefully uh, Engvall and, and Marner are still as lethal as they were last year. But uh, I think that P- that PK2, I know it sounds super deep and unimportant, but I mean, you're listening to a Leafs podcast, so you obviously care about who's on <laughs> PK2. Um, I think that's where you're going to see yes. these new guys start to come in. I agree. Uh, they're going to be a part of this power kill. And I really hope that Nick brings out that scoring touch as well. 
Um, you know, he's not known, like Mike said in his article, for getting a ton of points or getting any, you know, scoring titles or anything like that. But he's still known to score a couple goals. He did score 11 last year with the with the Avs. So it will it'll help. The one that I'm more interested to see, um, and we'll go to everybody for this one, I apologize, um, but Kelly Yarncroak. Where do you guys see Yarncroak fitting in? Because I think he's the one that's got a bit more of um, a top end than the rest of them do. He was coming from Calgary that was a really high-performing team, just couldn't find a slot for him because they were really, I mean, they had something crazy going on there. So, well, uh, Plus Sutter forgot they had him on the roster. Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> it, it seems um, kind of like a... Uh, Mike Babcock, who uh, also retired, I saw from coaching. Yay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, kind of a Babcock situation where he was just like, yeah, I don't like this guy. So, uh, Beaner, we'll start with you. What do you where do you think Yarn Croak is going to fit in? Um, honestly, probably, I would probably think third line with Camp. And then you can... Um, I'm I'm really banking on uh, Nikki Bobby to be on the second line with JT and Willie because the kid scored at every every league he's ever played in every height of hockey he's ever gone to so I don't see there being a reason why he can't continue that at the NHL level he just hasn't really been given the opportunity to um, so then that would free up. Yarn Croak, maybe Yarn Croak Camp, Angval. If one of them's having a bad game, you bring up uh, Abe Kubel. You know, ju- basically have fluidity in that bottom six um, forwards. That way, you don't have anybody stagnant, anybody that uh, Keith wouldn't feel comfortable playing in a tight game because you can feel comfortable rolling all four of your lines. So, I mean, you mentioned a lot of names, and I think that's kind of what we're running into here is just talking third and fourth line. We've got Engvall, Kampf, Yarncroak. There's then uh, Simmons and Kampf and Gaudet and Abe Kubel and like Clifford, Cal Clifford. Clifford <laughs> and Robertson and Anderson. Anderson. Then you're assuming like, Kerfoot's playing <laughs> on the second line. Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah. Who, how much of this is going to depend on preseason and how much, like, like what the hell do they do here? I think the sooner that think we can, oh, go for it, Beaner, you go for it. Take it. Oh, no, sorry, Darty. I was just going to say, I think that uh, Dubas has just got to the point where he's like, you know what, look, guys, we need to have some internal competition. And unless the number on the back of your jersey is 34, 16, or 91, you're not guaranteed a spot. No, well, that's fair. And I, I think a fire under these guys is something that has been missing because, I, I mean, as good as they all are, it's easy to get comfortable and think that you can just do the same thing and win as you do all season. Yep. Speaking of internal competition, I got to say one thing I was really surprised to see this off season as well. And speaking of the 14 unrestricted free agents from last season, eight remain on NHL contracts, three headed to Europe, three retired. One of those guys that went to Europe was Joseph Duzak, who had 52 points in 61 games with the Marlies as a defender. I am shocked that he went over to Europe first and that he had he wasn't given a chance with the Leafs. Like I meant I mentioned him last season a couple of times when we brought up, you know, when guys were injured and whatever, but what happened there? 
Does anyone know about that? Honestly, couldn't tell you, Beaner. You might be the best one on this. He's got that grin. You know he's got something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's not really anything major. Just he is a younger kid who's just, he's never really been able to put the consistent game together, right? Like he is only 25 years old, so there's still a lot of upside. But if you gave me the choice between Jujak or Lilligren or Sandine, I'm I know the two I'm picking. Yeah. Like he's, he's I, I get it, but he's only five foot 10. Like the guy's like just a little bit taller than me. And unless you're outrageously skilled when you have that size succeeding at the NHL level is going to be tough. But then you, we can't discredit the short guys like Nick Robertson, you know, or even Lilligren, who's not really a big guy. Like, we're talking about internal competition. I would think Duzak would be right up there, given his, like, amazing stat line last year. But, hey, con- good for him for going to the free, to Europe, mm-hmm. whatever he wants, right? But there are a lot, and I really think it's going to be on training cam to determine what the second third and fourth line are going to be um because there are many options you know who who's going to play on the second line is it going to be Kerfoot? is it going to be yarn croak or maybe someone will surprise everyone like uh malgan right malgan's coming to training camp as well is he just going to come in and pull like a a bunting from december sort of showing like we never know yeah and one last thing on uh, Joey Dujak there is like the fact that nobody else was interested in him. Like you constantly have scouts in AHL arenas and, you know, people have been watching this kid work his way up to the, the farm system for the Leafs and nobody took a flyer. Nobody said, hey, we'll give you a seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. So as as good as the numbers are looking, because they are they do look great, sixty one games, fifty two points, um, and he's had a couple other years, like a couple really really good years in university, and then the juniors. But it's the the consistency, right? Like it, nobody else was even willing to take a flyer on him. Mm-hmm. That just reminds me of, you know, sorry to cut you off right there, but that just reminds me of when, and I'm going to be burnt to the stake for this comment, but when Matt Murray was waived and no one claimed him, I was just thinking, like, why? You know, like, why wouldn't teams with cap space take a chance on him at that time? I don't know. I mean, again, the whole team was injured in a shitstorm. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a good point. It's a it's a good point. I'm not going to discredit that. I got why clean in on waivers? Two things. If I could, if why, I could interject why? because I've been waiting. I've been, I'm so patient. Yes. <laughs> okay, it was just new. Normally, I'm just like jumping on you guys, but I have two points here. Now, point number one is I want to give props to Steph. Six foot four Steph for repping the little guys because like, hey, we need someone out there repping us. <laughs> All right. Maybe. And then point number point number two, I want to go get back to we were talking about uh, Cali Crockpot and uh, where he's going to end up. But whether it's going to be third or fourth uh, line, uh, he might be out there as uh, as Mike put it. I really agree with him that he there's a chance he probably could be pushing David Camp down the fourth. Um, but 
one thing that I, because we were talking about, you did mention Steph, uh, how there'd be a little bit of a fight, a little bit of tussle for all these guys to kind of make a name for himself. But I really hope for Dubas' sake that they figure out cons- a consistent uh, third and fourth lineup because I think that's what's mm-hmm. killing us. I can't, I can't deal with the musical chairs anymore. I need to know who our fucking third and fourth line guys are. Like, look at you want to be successful. Look at fucking Tampa. If you can name, if your fourth line has a fucking name, then you know you're going to be successful. Get some guys <laughs> on that fourth line who are going to stay on that fourth line. Okay, people that like because if you're you know you're playing against what thirty two teams, and if thirty you know those thirty those thirty one teams every every night they come out to play you, think oh man, I can't I, I'm like. Yeah, of course, everybody's going to be worried about, you know, Matthews and Marner and Tavares and, and Nylander and whatnot. But like, if you got them worried about the guys on the fourth line, too, because that look, if you're playing Tampa, you don't want to see Fat Pat and that fucking uh, weasel uh, Corey Perry or whatever. Like, you, those guys scare you, right? Like, they're the fourth line, but it's like, man, like, I hate those pricks. So if we if we can have some consistency with that, even one of those lines, God damn it, like, we're, we actually can see some success. The musical chairs is going to kill us. And just to that, I think something that will help that I know we've named so many names, but um, not having to and not that this is like a bad thing, but not having to try to fit Jason Spezza in every night should help that because I feel like they were trying their best to give him the shot um, because he was still, you know, he had some some stretches where he would score, but then other stretches where he was, you know, mostly absent. So I think now that that ship has sailed, and I don't know what's going to go on with Simmons this year. We'll see if they, they find an everyday role for him or not. But I think hopefully out of training camp and once they decide on who which of these guys are staying with the team and which are going to be Marley's again, um, mm-hmm. we see some um, consistency in the third and fourth. Because, no, I agree. That was something that we, we talked about a lot last year. It's It's annoying to have such an uncertainty when you're saying like, Oh yeah, this is the year we're going to go for it. It's like, okay, but we only know half of our forward lines every night. Right. And I'm all for being able to play with anyone. Right. And that's why I love Kerfoot. He's able to play with anyone and do anything anywhere. But if our second line was solidified, maybe John Tavares would fucking know if he's passing or shooting that night. You know, like when he played with Mitch Marner in his first year, he knew he was always going to take the shot. And that's why he ended up with uh, 47 goals. Like there's been so many mixed partners on each line. I just really hope after training camp and all these preseason games that the Leafs can really, you know, buckle it down. Kerfoot's going into his fourth year with the Leafs, you know, solidify your spot, know what your job is and just fucking play because I think that would help so much and now we have all these random ass names that we're kind of juggling with and hey may the best man win at the end of the day the roster spot yeah and I think it's less about finding the players that slot in every night but more about finding an identity like what is your third line doing every night was the fourth line because then you can kind of fit players in as they play into those things but or even just come up with combinations that you can make the third or fourth but find a system between a couple players that works a couple guys that gel together like you said so Darn, you don't you have a cons- second point if, if, yeah that, w- that was my second point but again like oh, if cool. you, I, i'm glad you threw it back to me because i don't want to say something else just to just to dig the nail in this coffin if you don't have that consistency by the midway point of this season i don't expect this team to make it further in the first round again because that's like like at, you, look at tampa right Belmar, Maroon, Corey Perry, you know they're going to be there every fucking night. And I just listened to Belmar talk on um, uh, 32 Thoughts. I'm telling you, like I said, 
that guy that guy should be playing more minutes than than the fourth line all right like he's he's i've always had a lot of faith in belmar he's like sneaky good he's under one of those underrated players there's a lot of them it's probably because he's French from uh, from France and not French from Quebec. Interesting. <laughs> but, but I'm just telling you guys right now, if we don't have that fucking consistency, like it's the one thing that w- it like it will come to bite us in the ass. And we're gonna look at all different areas, all different facets throughout the season. It's always gonna come down to Hall, unless something he gets traded or Kerfoot. But I'm telling you, like that's from Darius' perspective. Like come back to this podcast um, somewhere during you know April. And see, see if if <laughs> I, I want to be wrong. I really want to be wrong about it. If because because oh. if I'm wrong, then we've we're, we've made it past past the first round, <laughs> and we kicked ass and we've taken names. But if somehow like people are like, man, he he was kind of right. Like that consistency wasn't there, and it fucking showed. And you know, like <laughs> it's it's just one of those things. I really hope that Dubis is cognizant of because yeah, like we saw that so much that that musical chairs. And like I said, looking at these other teams, like taking things into perspective, it's like we cannot have that. It's it's great to have all these players, but like let alone the first and second line too. Like like we're always talking about rearranging, rearranging, rearranging. Again, I don't know, I don't pay enough attention to other teams in the league and how much rearrangement of their lines they do. But like again, we have a captain on the the second line, right? Like can we can we sort that out at some point too? Like shouldn't our captain yeah. be on the first? I don't know how many teams have a captain on the second line. I don't know. Call me crazy, and, but it's like and to your point. Like <laughs> the it's fuck? not something you can just throw together. Like you need time to develop that. So, like you said, if it's not there by midway point or three quarters through, then is it really going to get there by playoff time? That's something you really, really have to work on from training camp on. And can I just throw out a hypothetical here? Um, Michael Bunting had a really great season last year. What if he doesn't this year? And what if he starts off really not? Who in the current lineup do you think could step up and take that first line left wing spot from Michael Bunting? Because we've really, I mean, we talk about Matthews, Marner, and and Willie and everybody, but we haven't really talked about the fact that Bunting is a shoe-in based on last year, but he earned that and he can just as easily lose it. Based on skill set, it has to be Nick Robertson because no one else can really do it unless you put Willie up there, but then that leaves a big hole on your second line. Robertson is an interesting name because that's the thing that we've we've talked about is that if you're going to put him in somewhere, it has to be in that top slot, but there isn't that slot available. So maybe. I like that. Anybody else have a name? Got it. Interesting. Oof. Why? Same same kind of style as what Bunting's going to bring you, and he was dynamite at the Olympics for the U.S. I think okay. there's still some untapped potential there with him. Okay, interesting. I'm not saying I don't have faith in Bunting repeating what he did last year. I'm just saying like he is still mostly unproven and is on a very low contract because of that. So, And teams are going to be much more aware of him too this year. Exactly. It's not going to surprise everyone. And yeah. uh, he's no longer eligible for Calder, so <laughs> I can see Robertson because of the ele- or the position, um, both playing left wing. Goddead is only listed as uh, right wing and center, so I don't know if th- how that would work. Um, you know, even thinking of Obey Kubel, you know the skills are not there. But are you lo- what kind of role are you looking for? Are you looking for a guy to jam everyone against the boards and loosen the puck, or what? But 
I do not want this situation to be playing through my head anyways. You know, losing Michael Bunting on that yeah. first line. If he suddenly loses, you know, his chemistry with Matthews and Marner, I think that would be really unfortunate. But, hey, it's so possible, Roscoe. So. I, and not not even if it's that. Like, maybe he gets injured or something. Like, yeah. it's, you know, we, we don't talk about how important and uh, vacant for next in line that spot is because like look we brought in Nick Ritchie because we had no fucking idea what to put in that slot that's where we were at this time last year so my uh, pick whenever that ended up being because of the lockout just for perspective um, his last two Quebec Major Junior League seasons Abe Kubel had 80 and 84 points wow So he's he's been there. It's not like he's always been a fourth line energy type guy. Yeah. He has been in a scoring position before. And yet again, he's similar mold to like a bunting. He's gonna throw his weight around and bash guys around and that's gonna free up a little bit of room for Matthews and Marner. Yeah, they've had bunting and hymen, so that's kind of the what you're going for. Darty, go ahead. And Abaku Bell also took out Tom Wilson, all right? And if he did it, because we called him, what his name, uh, what, what did you call him? We called him uh, Kasha 2.0 or something. If Kasha mm-hmm. had done the same thing, Kasha would be in like splinters, okay? <laughs> so, so I'm telling you right now, this guy, this kid is, uh, he's going to surprise you, this uh, this Abe Kubel. He has a, a name that doesn't seem memorable unless like you're trying to memorize <laughs> how to pronounce it, but... Yeah, he'll. So I think he will surprise us. And again, this is the guy who like left a dent on the Stanley Cup. All right, like yes, <laughs> he's and gonna he leave a, a tattoo dent on of our it. hearts. True. Just he got to... a tattoo of that on his arm, by the way, with the dent on the tattoo. It kind of looks flea market esque, but maybe he'll get it touched <laughs> up in the big city. <laughs> but keep in mind. Nick is also from Montreal. I know he's listed as Slave Lake, Alberta, but he was only born there. He was raised in Montreal. This guy has a burner inside of him for playing, you know, having that Leafs rival rivalry inside of him. So, hey, maybe it might spark something. He has a French accent, by the way. So just to just to touch on it quick as well, you guys are talking about lines. Um, the Matthews. Marner Bunting line played the six most minutes together as a line last season. And the Tavares line, Tavares, Nylander, and Kerfoot played the 21st most. So they didn't get juggled around as much as everybody thought. Okay. Good to know. Okay. And that and that's where being a Leafs fan versus being a fan of the NHL like comes in, right? Like, like I said, we have such if you just look at if you spend too much time on Leafs Twitter, the echo chamber starts to get to you, right? Like you you gotta sometimes like It'd be nice if you could just like like take yourself out of Leafs Twitter and like insert completely envelop yourself in another team's Twitter just to be like, oh, our we're not the only ones with this problem, right? And again, like unless you're constantly you know analyzing every bit of the minutia of the game just to steal a <laughs> word from, just to steal a word from uh, our pal uh, Marty Zilstra. Um, if you're unless you're looking at those those minuscule details sometimes you yeah you get stuck in that echo chamber thought of oh the Leafs suck the Leafs are terrible they do this they do that they do this improperly Dubas sucks Dubas is going to kill the team but again like you take when you pull yourself out of all that fucking vile hatred you start to realize that things are not so as bad as they seem mm-hmm 
Yeah, it's funny. The the thing that's opened my eyes the most to how media covers other teams is being part of Inside the Rink now and like being in the group chat where, you know, as soon as I see an article about, you know, should the Leafs get Patrick Kane, there's like six other people writing for their own teams about trades for Patrick Kane. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's how it looks. <laughs> yeah. Everybody sees the same shit. So um, just to close us off here. Um, oh, since our last episode, Kadri signed in Calgary. Did we say that? No, we did not. So Calgary's had, a, we won't spend too much time on this, but Calgary's had quite a weird off season, eh? Mm-hmm. So they oh lost God. back-to-back uh, Gaudreau and then Kachuk. And then they brought in uh, Huberto, Uyghur, and Kadri. So um, I guess the way we'll sum this up, we'll go around the table. And do you think this is an improvement or a, um, what's the opposite? Either <laughs> you start us. <laughs> what is so, the opposite called? I don't know. It, it's, it's actually kind of funny that we were, I was just bringing up the, the lines thing. The line that played the most together last year was the Goudreau-Lindholm-Tachuk line. Two-thirds of that line is gone, and they played almost a 1,000 minutes together last season. Damn. Which is just insanity. That's over. That's, that's uh, just under 200 minutes from the second line, like the line that played the second most together, which was Robertson, Hanson, Pavelski, and Dallas. Wow. By I the way, think... The opposite of improvement, according to Oxford, is uh, deterioration. <laughs> I would say, like, oh my like God. detriment, is that... Uh... Yeah. So detriment. I, I th- Detrimental to the growth of your team. <laughs> yeah. I well, think it's safe for, to say they're not detriments. Sorry, Bean, go ahead. No, it's all, failure, it's all good. I think for this year and next year, <laughs> this year and next year, I think the Flames are actually better. Um, no offense to Lindholm, but I think Kadri can slide in as your one C a little, a little more efficiently. Agreed. And and when you take out Goudreau and you put in Huberto, it's essentially going to be a wash for the first year maybe two where you're going to start seeing issues when you start having the, the later years of that contract come in because he's a little older and it's, it's just, it, I don't think it's going to age too well, but they've still got a great team. They've got a good goalie, a good coach, a good defense core. Kadri, Huberto, Mangiapane, Backlin, Blake Coleman's still there. Who knows if he can, do any better than he did last year hopefully considering he was brought in with a, a larger contract um I, I i still think and, and then you add in weaker to the defense core as well i still think they're better off than they were um because they had the worst of the kachuk brothers anyway um huberto and gaudreau are the same age huberto they're both 29 mm-hmm. oh so they're already over the hill that's a fail on my part I I know it feels like Gaudreau is a kid because he still looks like the day he was drafted. Um, But uh, no, him and Monaghan have been in the league for a decade now, which is insane. Wow. He was called Johnny Hockey because like he also came up around the time as Johnny Football, right? Like Johnny Manziel. That's how long he's been in the league. (laughs) That's a good point. Damn, true. So, I mean, for the, the same age, I think... It like really, it's it seems like a one for one for them, man. And they just brought in Uyghur at the same time. So I think Calgary came out winning after losing literally the two best 
American players outside of like Patrick Kane and Phil Kessel, probably. Can yeah. we not? Matthews? Can we not all agree? And here? Matthews, sorry. <laughs> I always forget he's American. Sorry. Sorry, Roscoe, know, right? uh, host of Habs, Habs uh, Late Night. <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, can we not all agree that like Calgary had no place to go but up? So like any like this, it's not like Kadri was ever going to be a detriment. Like anybody could have been like good for that team. Like they were, I'm pretty glad, happy that they got Kadri. But as I was saying, like like they had no place to go but up, right? Like they need to sign anybody at that point. Like considering where they were before these signings happened. Yeah, it was I mean, good recovering. Yeah, considering say, they had to sign anybody and they signed. Contract. And just the way that like Goudreau spurned them and then Kachuk publicly wanted out kind of was, you know, really not looking good for Calgary for that week or two. And then they rebounded with all these moves. Yeah, some teams could sit on. I mean, they were sitting on the Kachuk stuff for years, but I mean, this could be like a thing that plays out for a long time and becomes like the downfall of a team. But I mean, kudos to True Living for spinning this around real quick. I just want to say, though, that... Uh... I should have seen this coming and it's honestly so like it's so silly from my perspective just because as uh as a fellow Lebanese <laughs> I was uh <laughs> as soon as I like put two like two and two together I was like wait a second like I have so many cousins in Calgary <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's like a huge like Lebanese diaspora as they call it um like or uh, you know like it's just so many Arabs in in Calgary and then other Lebanese folk. Like, because I'm always constantly invited to go move out there, right? Like, you know, especially with the housing prices. Like, my cousin's like, "Oh, you got to come to Calgary. You got to come to Edmonton." Like, yalla yalla. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Geez!" Like thinking about it now, I'm like, "God damn it!" Now it all makes sense. <laughs> it's true, Darty. My friend just moved out there this year, and I am going to Calgary at the end of the month because of all of these reasons. <laughs> well, no, it's just a vacation, but yeah, it's so true. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think we will see potential from Blake Coleman finally shine. I know when he went to the team, I was first excited, and then it was kind of like a fail. So playing on a line with Kadri and Mangiapani should work if they all click. Um, also getting Uyghur in the mix, getting that ultimate, you know, penalty killer. That's huge for Calgary. Uh, their defense core is awesome. You have Haffinen, Rat Anderson, Uyghur, Tanev, Zadorov, and Shillington. So I think it's a win, big win for Calgary. So if you're still listening at this point, it means you care about more than just the Leafs, which means you might be interested in our fantasy league. So we've been teasing this a lot since the end of last year, but um, it's now getting close to the season starting. So Steph's going to start setting that up. I'm going to leave the link to our Discord channel in the description of this podcast. Um, So if you want to join it, you can go there and find all of the tabs for different things that we talk about, uh, whether it's the show, the Leafs, the weather, our pets. Um, But one of them is fantasy, and that's where you'll find the link to join our fantasy league. There is lots of interest in this. So we're going to see whether this shakes out to being two 12-people leagues or an 18-person league. We'll see what happens. I don't know. An 18-person one would be insanely deep and would basically be like, you know, borderline NHL, like half of it. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be be fun. fun. And we're going to put out the interest there. And depending on how many people are interested, we'll determine how many leagues we run and how much we want the buy-ins to be, or if some will be free, etc. So stay tuned, join our discord for all the information. 
And yeah, and free fantasy league. <laughs> I know, right? God. Yeah. How how to have people give up after they lose week one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so with that, let's finish it off with some questions because we haven't done yeah. this in a while, and everybody's here. Um, yeah. so first we got from, uh, Terry Luttrell. So, um, at Luttrell 20 asks, who do you think will be the fourth line for opening night? Oof. I'm going to say, um, opening night will probably be Simmons. Kampf. And. Abe Kubel. Fair. What do you guys think? I'll say it'll be Simmons, um, and then it will be Yarn Croak and Abe Kubel. Again, yeah, I just think Simmons is going to be there because it's opening night and they, you know, tried and true. What do you guys, uh, Justin, any, any guesses? Yarncroak, Abe Kubel, and Gadet. Okay, okay. Sadi? Simmons, Gadet, and Kubel. Okay, so we're all around the same lines. Darty, how about you? Yeah, I was going to go with Beaner on that one just because I feel like you got to uh, like want to show off the new toys, right? Like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, next one. And there's still, there's still speculation on Simmons even playing this season, is there not? Like, He's supposed to be playing. I think he's good to go. But... Yeah, one more year. Uh, so from uh, this is from Luke Mann at uh, Hainsworth Lucas, and now formerly at Luke Mann. Um, he got banned. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor yeah, chap. <laughs> oh man. The Twitter beef How does he gets beat you me? Real. I figured I'd be banned before he did. <laughs> so um, off season, worst season. Shalgren got engaged. What other personal milestones did our lads achieve over the off season? Um, so I think that's like a two-pronged question. One being that it was kind of a boring offseason for the Leafs, but it always will be until these contracts run out and the uh, or the salary cap goes up. Um, other yeah. than Shalgren getting engaged, I don't know. Did you guys? Did these guys do anything in the offseason? Steph, you'd know. Um, <laughs> it's not easy to follow. Okay, um, I've been kind of busy in the offseason as well, but. Just from looking around social media, uh, Matthews has clearly been in busy with his new endorsements. Uh, also, the highest paid player in the NHL because of his endorsements. Um, but just in the summer alone on his Instagram, I saw uh, ads for Edge Theory Labs, Lids, Visible Mobile, Mars Blades, where it was turquoise everything. Um but yeah, Marner had his engagement party. Uh, Matthews chirped bunting on Insta about how mm. nice it was for him to not dress up. <laughs> um, just little things. And we know like Marner has his assist program and he had his fourth annual All-Star Invitational. Um, He's also been spotted around Toronto dressing like Harry Styles. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Um, Camp's, wife's is, Camp's wife is pregnant. Um, a fun fact, Samsonov is one year younger than baby goalie, Shalgren, since uh, you brought up Shalgren, <laughs> Luke Man. We have a new, new, new baby goalie. Oh, well, baby. Um, it's my baby goalie. 
I don't know. Uh, Zach Hyman, former Leaf, had a second his second child named Bennett. I don't know if it was after uh, the past Bennett, uh, the child who unfortunately just passed away. But hey, I will pretend it is and think of it as one big happy story. Aww. And Salming was diagnosed with ALS. Uh, we saw online that's very unfortunate. But yeah, it's it's hard to keep up with the Leafs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, um, Justin Hall has managed to escape death, <laughs> or as we put it, uh, in uh, Toronto, uh, not being traded and uh, sent away from this fair city. Fun fact, uh, three years ago today, we said goodbye to Jake Gardner. Oh my God, it's only been three years. I know. That is the longest three years of my right? life. Oh my God, why did the you have to do that The Facebook memory me? came up, and I was oh. like, Wow feels like 10 yep that is wow one more thing i wanted to mention before we sign off about newly acquired leafs or maybe acquired leafs um the leafs also signed dylan ferguson to an um professional tryout contract um he i know not a big name he played the first ever preseason game for the vegas golden knights back in 2017 and then he played in relief against the oilers for the golden knights but ever since then he's been in the echl ahl so yeah it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have more goalie death right uh nice. he'll be fighting for a spot behind shalgren and wall and competing for playing time against petruzelli and mckay okay oh, yeah good okay so last question here is specifically for Darty Bruder. Oh, geez. This is from Samurai from the Six. Uh, what, would Samurai Darty, from the six. <laughs> what, what, what would Darty Bruder rather? A fortune cookie with shitty fortunes or a chocolate chip cookie with raisins and mushrooms instead of chocolate chips? <laughs> so I, I, we all, I think we all had some, uh, we spent some time on Twitter, so we've had some perspective and had some time to answer these questions, but this one really caught me off guard one. Cause it has nothing to do with the Leafs, <laughs> which, you know, no. they picked the right guy to ask a non Leafs question, you know, just, uh, you know, add some color to the commentary here, but, uh, <laughs> I will, uh, I will give you my most colorful response, which is, uh, uh, I have to ask a question. Do these mushrooms, are these like, like shiitake or syllabin? Because, <laughs> you know, if uh, if they're the kind of mushrooms that are like, whoa, 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 <laughs> then I don't know. Like, I, I might I might take up on that offer. But um, but if it's like, I don't know, sometimes you, have you ever like, I don't know when the last time you've had like, you know, Chinese takeout or whatever, but uh I've gotten some uh, really good fortune cookies, so like I don't know what a shitty wow. fortune would be, but I feel like even those shitty fortunes, like like a lot, a lot of the ones that are just like I don't know, just kind of funny or humorous rather than like you know, good luck, good fortune will seek you. <laughs> I don't know. I've got, I've got, I feel like I feel like some of the cheekier ones are actually the ones that kind of like stick with you. Like I've, I like I think it would be pretty funny. Like you get a fortune cookie that's like. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't want to be like like grim like you will die in seven days <laughs> but you go you open a fortune cookie and it's like, like so, you will misplace twenty dollars have fun <laughs> or like it's time to throw it away you know what i'm talking about 
personal attacks when i read this question i was like something that we already get like a shitty fortune in a fortune cookie or something random that caught, catches you by surprise but in this case samurai from the six is seems like he's assuming that um raisins and mushrooms are bad things and something that you would hate i love mushrooms Raisins are okay in cookies, so... Raisins are definitely bad things. Mm, I like chocolate-covered raisins. Here's a question for the fans, all right? Oatmeal raisin or oatmeal chocolate chip? All right? You decide. Oatmeal chocolate chip if it's between them. Peanut butter? That dries my mouth out, Bean. (laughs) I need something to go with it. (laughs) I know you guys say I'm old, but I'm not old enough to be wanting oatmeal cookies yet. Right? No, nah, peanut butter cookies are the best because they're three ingredients. It's peanut butter, eggs, sugar. and sugar. sugar. Exactly. That's it. That's it. And, it. and it's on the peanut butter You're jar. You're welcome, all of you that are listening to this at two in the morning and are going to make peanut butter <laughs> cookies right now. <laughs> welcome yeah. to Roscoe's Cooking Show. If you need the recipe, it is on the inside of most craft peanut butter jars. On the label. Yep. That's um, right. Anyway, that's, uh, that's it for hockey, clearly, as we divulge. Um, thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I am the one who runs Twitter and Steph runs the Instagram. If you are curious who it is you are interacting with. Um, other than that, when are we gonna when are we gonna be back, guys? We'll start we'll do post game shows for um preseason, but until then, can we uh can we say we're ramping up back to like at least one a week from now until preseason? Feels like it. Cool. <laughs> you heard it here. We're back in business, baby. Thanks for is tuning in. Is this the in. longest all five of us have been on a podcast together? It's an hour and 11. I would say without technical difficulties, but at different points, everybody has been kicked out of this, except for me. So, <laughs> yeah. And you couldn't even tell. It's the magic of technology. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. And VHS.